Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Um, first off, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately, um, especially the last episode. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out in the feed. But what I want to talk about this week on Sunday edition is actually a personal project I've been working towards for a while. So when we all went in lockdown and before I started doing the Sunday edition, I did what lots of people did is I started like weird, a weird little project. Most people bake breads. Most people like, lots of people started cooking. Lots of people started baking. As you probably guessed, I'm an insane person. And the two, I've really had two kind of, hobbies I picked up in the pandemic. I'm I'm an insane person and I'm like also the kind of peep the kind of person who feels like a side character in a manic pixie dream girl based romance. It's I I just admit it to myself at some point. And the two things I picked up were first I wanted to learn how to make cocktails. I've done that pretty successfully. And I, the other thing I picked up was 3D printing. Um, now, if you don't know, there's um, two, two different kinds of 3D printing. There's the PLA-based 3D printing, and that's the thing with the robot arm. And that would have been easy. That would have been like, oh, this is fine. This is normal. This is great. But that, because I'm me and because I'm insane, I couldn't very well just do the easy thing. That would be too, you know, easy and normal. I had to pick the other kind of 3D printing, which is what they call SLA 3D printing. And if you don't know anything about the two types, the first type is the 3D printer you're thinking of. It is the armature thing that looks very bare bones that has an arm that's computer controlled that goes around and makes a thing eventually by basically melting whatever filament it is, usually a kind of plastic, and building it up over time. You can buy a really um, cheap version of this that I actually have had for years called a three doodle called a three doodler and it's a little pen version that like you do yourself and it's it's not People can make beautiful things with it, but it's not easy. <laughs> I didn't go for that kind. I went for the FLA kind, which is basically a big box. You can you can look this up. You can if you type in FLA 3D printer, you'll see what I'm talking about on Google. But it's a big, it's like a big probably like one foot by foot and a half tall box. And you use what's called photosensitive resin, and it uses a combination. It uses a combination of light and motion to produce, to turn that resin solid and make like a thing. And that thing can be anything from like a spare part you need to I, um, 
kind of my first big project while I'm just figuring all this stuff out and how everything like works and functions before I go into full like mastery mode and just start doing what I want to do, which I'll get to in a second, is I made these, I um now frequent a couple different like 3D repositories and one of them is called, a site called My Mini called My Mini Factory and they have this great section that's called Scan the World. And basically what they're saying is they will if you take upwards of fifty pictures of something in the world, like let's say you come across like a cool old statue and you can get fifty good pictures of it. And they want like close ups, they want the entire they want the entire deal you can get. And they they knew what they were doing and they wrote a whole museum guide like don't don't be an asshole about this. Like take the pictures but don't don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> and the and so they once you do that, once you upload it, they'll evaluate them. They'll send the pictures they'll send all that info to a street to a three D to like a real professional three D modeler. That person will make that thing and then they'll send you in the mail a um this is really cool a high-end 3d print of the thing for your trouble which is like a great like you're get, you're not just doing the work of cataloging some kind of historical thing you, you get to literally take it home with you which is freaking fantastic but One of the coolest things they, one of the coolest things I saw in there was if you've ever seen a um, traditional Japanese castle, you'll notice there's these like big fit ornamental fish on the roofs on each side. Somebody sold one of those at Sotheby's for some ungodly. And if you don't know what Sotheby's is, Sotheby's is a auction house that deals in like super rare, like super rare, super valuable antiques and art. But um, somebody sold one of those um, in an auction at Sotheby's, and I guess the person who bought it, or this person got uncommonly fucking close to the thing. Like, they were the distance I am from my iPad now from it, which is, like, less than a foot. And they took a shit ton of pictures of it, and it was recreated, and you can go you can go download this thing if you have a 3D printer. You can print this thing. So what I ended up doing was, I'm like, oh, this will be great practice for what I want to do, is I printed it once, and it came out beautifully, and I printed it again. So I have, like, basically a full set of these things. And they're sitting on my, um, they're sitting on my, um, entertainment center like at each end now which is very cool eventually i'm gonna um the the second part of the process is learning how to paint these things because what i ultimately want to do and i'm also already engaged in the third part of the process learning how to 3d sculpt which is an adventure what i'll say um but what i ultimately want to do is i want to take the illustrations that I've been doing for years and be able to, if I like an, if I really like an illustration or if I plan an illustration in this, it, with that thought in mind, to be able to 
produce it as a 3D figure. I basically want to make my own anime figure. And there are people who already do this. But oftentimes when people do these figures, I um, actually, I printed out so far my, like, two two of my most successful anime prints are I printed out a little version of Kana from um, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which at some point I'm going to attempt to paint, but it scares me right now, so I'm not going to do it now. Um, I also printed out a, um, a uh, like, replica of... Um, the swordfish from Cowboy Bebop, which um a fun hilarious fact was that's the intended use of the swordfish. The swordfish and all the different ships in Cowboy Bebop were supposed to be capable of being turned into toys. I think at some point they were. I I know at some point they were, but the show never got popular enough for Bandai and Sunrise to do the toy dance. So they never really, so other than a few instances, after it like blew up in the West and became this like infamous thing, that was when they started producing toys of it. Not when it, when I understand, not when it originally came out. But what I, so I, I want to ultimately make my own anime figures and I'm well on my way to doing that. I've like I have the printer. I understand how the printer works. I understand what makes stuff what makes stuff succeed and fail. I'm learning what makes stuff makes prints succeed and what makes prints fail and how you can change that around. Um but I also the the other the other the other two the so the three things that I will have to understand kind of completely are 3D printing, and I'm gonna um, at some point get into a more traditional PLA based. That's the one with that's like the robotic arm one um, that involves like hot plastic and novels and nonsense. Um, I am ultimately gonna get into that. I'm gonna wait until after I pay my taxes to get into that, but I'm gonna ultimately get into that. Um, mostly because you can I can do larger scale stuff with that the um most most um 3D printing most SLA like photo resin printers have a kind of 5 to maybe 9 maybe 9 inch kind of range, whereas um, the, like, more traditional PLA filament-based printers have a, like, eight to a full-on a foot range, like the one I'm looking at, for me, has, like, a one-foot wide and tall range to it, or tall range to it. I think it's an eight and a half by a foot, eight and a half squared by a foot tall, um, range to how big I can go um but so the three things that I need to do to be able to do this at like not a professionalized level but like at a like 
like a prof- well, I'm going to call it professional grade level is I'm going to need to really master how the 3D printer works and I'm I'm pretty good at it. I have more successes than failures and even the failures are interesting weird failures like I'm not I'm failing because of the way I set something up, not because of the file I fed it. Um, the and then I'll have to learn. I'll have to continue to learn how to um, 3D sculpt because that's how I'll be able to take my 2D character designs and turn them into 3D models that can be printed. Um, and then the last thing I need to learn how to do, which I've also already started, is I'll need to learn how to paint these models. Um, and there's a couple different ways that you can go about that. You can either, and oftentimes it's a combination because of the of the size of making like a anime figure basically, is you usually do a combination of, you usually either do hand painting or you do a combination of hand painting and airbrushing and I will tell you right now, I can probably handle the hand painting. Like I can be careful. I, I got, I invested in a paint palette. I actually, um, the kind of French yogurt that comes in a glass jar and these glass jars, I'm holding it right now are great, like receptacles for water, for rinsing your brushes and whatnot. And I'm just using, I'm just using acrylic paints because acrylic paints are really dense and really easy to control and use. Um, but the and then at some point I'll like I've I've already taken you can go on my Instagram and you can see the pictures I've taken of um some of the models I've done. You can actually see the two um porcelain koi models that I printed out um along with a little a little, um, a little pagoda shrine that was one of the first things I printed out. Um, but it's, it, it was a fun choice to do this. Do I wish that, um, I had waited a little longer and didn't cheap out on the, um, printer and have to buy a new 3D printer because the first one, which I'm staring at right now, broke in a way that couldn't be fixed or repaired and was super unreliable. Whereas the one I bought that was um, almost twice the price, um, it's like deeply reliable and deep and really high and really well made and really sturdy. Yeah, but I, I got the first one scot-free because I actually used advertising money from this podcast to buy that printer (laughs) um which was like a really proud awesome fun moment in my life and actually what ended up happening is that became my crash course and how the fuck do i do this how the fuck do i calculate all this stuff to make it go in a way where i was like i'm doing the right thing and then it broke in a way where i was like i can't fix this and it's no longer my fault that i'm printing out solid blocks of plastic um yeah i of course i wish i that would that went better but 
you know, so much of, and this is true for any craft and any um, kind of art, so much of it is about experimentation, about understanding, about about finding the limits and finding and finding what finding what you can and can't do inside of whatever medium you're working in that it's whenever you want to do something really well you usually go through a ton of experimentation like if you look at any big anime you look at any big um or you look at any super talented animator in anime i'm sure they have sketchbooks on sketchbooks on sketchbooks on sketchbooks of just what you could best be described as madness of just sketching and weirdness and like like oh i'm gonna go to the aquarium and draw every fish in the aquarium because i'm insane kind of thing and I just one of the, I I came up as a cartoonist and animator and pretty quickly once I was in school switched gears into graphic design and um into graphic design and creative direction and all that stuff but I the reason I did it wasn't because I don't want to do that stuff. The reason I did it was because I didn't want to necessarily do that stuff in the professional, in, in like the professional sense, if that makes any sense. Um, a couple, I want to say like a month ago now, and you can go find this in the feed of this podcast in whatever app you're listening to right now, you're listening to me right now. But I did a episode called the $200 a month problem, which was all about the pay rate of animators in the anime industry and the problems and maybe the potential way to think about how to fix it. And when I was kind of, at some point, A, my professor was a piece of shit. And I think I tell this story um, in the, in that episode. At some point, my professor was a real piece of shit. My animation professor, he was a real asshole. But also, I stopped and thought about the way I wanted to live and the way I wanted to, you know, create and who I wanted to create for. And I didn't really want to, I kind of found that I didn't really want to do the thing I loved for other people. I didn't want to step into that, like, I didn't want to take part in the big lie of if if you're doing something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's that horseshit. That's don't ever let anybody convince you of that. It may feel like that sometimes, but you'll get back problems hunched over, hunched over an art table or hunched over a desk. It it doesn't really matter. Like work is work. Whether it's creative work or non-creative work, work is work. And anybody who, and usually people who tell you, like, stuff like that, have some sort of vested interest in that being true. I mean, this is, this is true in, any, in all the creative industries. 
is like people higher up than you are using your talent and ability to foster their goals and make themselves money and all this stuff. That's why my professor was like, hey, maybe never do spec work because spec work means somebody else is making money off of your skill and talent and you should never let people do that. Um, which I always deeply respected him for just straight up being like, yeah, no, no, this is, this is horseshit. You should never take it back work. And people in a class be like, yeah, but he's like, no, but spec work. The idea of like working for, of doing something you love is great until you can't eat. <laughs> and he's really right. And so, but with that, with that also bumps into is when you want to get started on a hobby there's also a there's a there's a real pressure from not from like any one person but from just the world for people to professionalize their hobbies so um podcast that i'm behind on but i usually listen to or or i should listen to because i love it whenever i listen to it is a podcast called friends at the table and if you've never listened to Friends at the Table, it's run by Austin Walker, formerly of Waypoint, now of Austin Walker on the internet. Um, people, I think there's somebody once called him Austin Walker Tumblr Ranger or some something. But um, he runs a actual play podcast with um, a bunch of his different friends, and they've run it for years, and they've turned it into a like a from what I could guess a fairly successful Patreon and like they make money off of it. They took their hobby of tabletop role playing and professionalized it to a point where like they don't, they certainly don't make a living off it, but like a bill, probably a bill, a piece may get paid here and there. (laughs) And, but what that does is it causes you to think very, It causes you to want to think about your creativity in a professionalized way, in a like way that says, like, I have to be able to sell this at the end. And I've, I am thinking in that way about like making anime figures. I think it would be cool, really, really awesome, if I got good enough at this where I could produce like, a small anime figure that somebody would buy for, like, 25 bucks. Probably not 25 bucks, because I value myself more than that, but let's say, like, 75 to maybe 200 bucks in that range. I think that would be astonishingly cool. But I also know that me getting to that level is a goal I can shoot for, and I don't have to sell these. I could make these as my own cool thing and like post them on Instagram or post videos of post process videos on YouTube or something like that. But if there's a reason to professionalize a hobby and this is, this is also true of this podcast, I don't really think it should be to like make money at it. I think it should be to do it at a level where to set a goal for yourself to do it as a level where you could make money at it because you don't want 
your hobbies shouldn't be things that feel like work. They should be things that feel fun and interesting and really cool and that you have a good time doing. I mean, I've, I watch uh, my fair share of anime YouTubers and oftentimes the way they talk, especially the guys on Trash Taste, actually, the way they talk about watching anime is, they, they talk about it in the terms of producing content. And uh, you have no doubt that they, that they all love anime. I'm not saying that they don't, but they don't really, like, unless a show hits them hard, like bowls them over like the ocean, there doesn't seem like it's a real exploratory process. And one of my goals with whatever I'm doing, whether it's like drawing this podcast, what I'm doing now with 3D printing and trying to make my own anime figure, is I never want to feel like that. I never want to feel like it's just another part of a job. And that's one of the reasons why I don't do a whole ton of editing on these episodes is because I want them to feel loose and I want them to feel like an expression and like a weird kind of audio expression of me, which I think they are by and large. If you want a more professionalized thing where I spend like hours cutting and trimming and like refining and like, like audio engineering an episode, you can go listen to the Uncanny Curve podcast where I guarantee you I cut like whole 10 minute chunks out of that thing because I'm like, we got way too off topic here. We like, we fuck, we we talked about like logistics of like flood management for 10 minutes or some horse shit. And I'm just like, ah, yeah, this, this doesn't need to be here. Click, click, gone. <laughs> but um, and that's a, the Uncanny Curd podcast is a podcast I do with my friend, um, with my friends, Lauren and Larry. It's actually, it's Lauren's running the show there. I'm just the person who can do the audio engineering. And, you know, Larry is Larry and also a font of knowledge about, um, about, um, Western comic books that I have some of, but don't bring a whole lot of confidence in knowing (laughs) so um if you if you like that kind of stuff definitely go check that out we're actually almost done with our first season i think but um so yeah my my goal is ultimately to be able to make my own anime figures but i have a whole bunch of steps and a whole bunch of like small pieces like big pieces of it that i have to figure out and be able to do really well to get there so it might take me a while but ultimately I hope on Instagram one day I'll be able to be like I printed this I painted this and it's a real thing and I can hold it in the palm of my I can hold it in my hand um the last thing I'll say is I've been watching um me and every other old 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 talk on the internet have been watching this show called Odd Taxi which is a um which is on Crunchyroll this season, and it's about a grumpy walrus taxi driver. 
who is just enraptured in this fictional version of Tokyo where everybody's an animal person. Um, he's enraptured in this like big plot that's vaguely unbeknownst to him, but you think he's ve- he's probably very connected to it. And I'm watching the show. I'm like, this show is really good. But I can tell, like, not a whole lot of people going to watch the show. There's not going to be a whole lot of merch for this show, I bet, even though it is 500% merchable. So, uh, and um, Otakawa is, like, a big walrus dude who is, I can say, a pretty low bar for um, doing a sculpt of. So I I did a really successful sculpt of him. You can go see that on my um, Instagram. And now I just need to figure out how to print him because um, I just did his head and do his whole body. His whole body got complicated and blobby in a way I was not prepared for and did not like and am not skilled enough to like know like, oh, do this, 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 this yet. That's the next step. But um, I made a little keychain of his head and he's wearing a little, he's wearing his little yellow hat and I love it. I just need to figure out how to print it now. Um, But, and that would be my first successful, like, full, um, put everything into practice, make all the gear spin and do a thing with this. So I'm um, excited to finally get that to work. I just need to get that to work. Um, And on that note, if you like this episode, um, you can subscribe to the podcast in whatever app you're using to listen to it right now. And new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is a um, more traditional um, conversation about a show or movie, sometimes a manga. Um, last week was um, Fatal Fury, the motion picture. Um, it, just to give you an idea of like how far back I go, I have no limits. I will find something cool from the 70s and talk about it if I feel like it. Um, and Sundays are more like this. They're more like metatextual fan stuff, that kind of thing. This is the first time I've ever really done something like, actually, it's not the first episode um, of the Sunday edition, which I think I just called SPAT, which would stand for stand for single parents alone together, but I used it as single people alone together because, um, and that was when I talked about wanting to do this Sunday edition thing, but um, that's what the Sunday editions are generally like. But on that note, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition, and I will talk to you on Thursday.